Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. I want you to picture yourself at your parish. You're taking some time for some prayer with God. You're there in your church, you're there in one of the pews, and you're worshiping God. You're having this close time with Him in prayer, and then suddenly you realize you're not alone. You're not alone. There are others that are there, many others that are there. And it's not just other human beings. It is the angels, powerful, mighty angels, and not just any ordinary angels. Let's say it's the the seraphim, the burning ones, the ones that are, are some of the ones that are closest to God's holy presence in heaven. They are there with you praying. How would you feel at that moment? If that were me, I'd, I'd be a little intimidated. <laughs> I'd be a little nervous. I'd be freaking out. <laughs> a little fear and trembling would be in me to be around these powerful, amazing, majestic, angelic beings. But did you know that this is actually what happens every time you go to mass? Every time you participate in the sacred liturgy, you're participating in the heavenly liturgy. Did you know that? Well, what I want to talk about today is one of the powerful prayers of the mass. It's a, it's a line in the liturgy that I know you're familiar with. Many of you have recited this prayer hundreds, if not thousands of times throughout your life, but I bet you never gave too much thought as to what it means. We're going to take a look at a prayer known as the Sanctus, the Latin word for holy. It's that prayer we say, holy, 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 Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Did you know that those words come from sacred scripture? In fact, those words, holy, 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 we're going to see they were heard not just at mass, but they were heard by the prophet Isaiah when he had a vision of how the angels worship God in heaven. And St. John, the beloved disciple, when he's caught up in the spirit and had an apocalyptic vision of God's worship in the heavenly temple, he heard the same words. And we get to repeat those words, joining those angels in the worship of our King. What I want to do is share with you the biblical background to this prayer so that we can enter into this prayer in the liturgy and give our heart more to Jesus at every Mass. Because if if we really get what this prayer is about, I promise you, you will be so moved to want to give your heart more to your God. That's what we're going to take a look at in this week's podcast. So welcome to All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sri, and I just got back from the great state of Texas. I was there in the capital city in Austin, Texas this last week, uh, being blessed to be a part of a priest conference. Now, I I love speaking at Catholic parishes, doing parish missions, and uh, getting to speak at general conferences that are out there, Eucharistic conferences and all. But one of my favorite things to do is to get to present to priests These are our spiritual fathers. These are the men who have made so many sacrifices for Jesus and for his church. And they bless us in so many ways. They teach us. They guide us. They give us the graces of the sacrament. It's it's amazing. And I I love being able to teach priests because I know that they're going to take this and it's going to impact, I pray, their own souls. But also, they can take what they learn and, and share it with hundreds and thousands of the people that they're serving. And so I ask your prayers for all of our priests. Pray for your priests. 
They need our prayers. Pray for these couple hundred priests that were gathered in Austin, Texas for the St. Paul's Center of a Priestly Conference. This is run by Scott Hahn, my, my former professor who has done so much to for biblical scholarship and has poured his life out into training many leaders and particularly priests. He's been doing these conferences for, for many years and invited me multiple times and it didn't work in my schedule. Finally, I was able to come and witness firsthand the profound fruit of great biblical teaching from people like Scott Hahn and John Bergsma and Ralph Martin and many other people, how much that is blessing priests and then helping to impact parish life. So let's pray for our priests. And one of the things our priests do is to lead us in the worship of God. And they invite us to say the holy, 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 reminding us that these are the words that the angels say. That's right before we say the holy, holy, holy prayer. That's what they're doing. They're reminding us as, and the angels, we're joining the angels in their praise of God in heaven. Now, where do these words come from? I've already shared a little bit of this with you. I'll take you right back to the pa actual passage in the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 6, verses 2 and following, we read about how Isaiah is given this heavenly vision. He sees God in his divine throne room where he's being worshiped by the angels. And in this case, it's not any ordinary angel. As I mentioned earlier, it was the seraphim. I don't know if you know what seraphim mean. The word seraphim means burning ones. These are the burning ones. And I think it's an indication that they're so close to the presence of the fire of God's love. They're so close to his holy presence that they themselves are burning with his love, radiating his glory out to the world. The seraphim are, are some of the highest ranked angels. And what's really amazing about this story is notice how they approach God. Now think about who the angels are. The, the angels, these are perfect beings. <laughs> these, these are sinless beings. They never sinned. The good angels here, right? right? So they, they, they never sinned. They're perfect. They love God perfectly. And yet when they draw near to God, do you know what they do? They don't go up and give God a high five. That's not what they do. They're not going up and casually coming in and going, hey God, how's it going? Hope you're having a good day today. That's not what they do. Oh no. When you see what these angels do, it's inspiring. They are in complete awe and wonder over being in the presence of the all holy God. And they approach him with such humble reverence. They cover their faces. The Bible says they cover their faces. They, they don't even want to dare to behold the fullness of God's glory. So they realize that even though they've never sinned, even though they're perfect beings, they're not God. The difference between them and God is infinite. <laughs> and, and, and the difference between God's holiness and their holiness, God's goodness and their goodness, God's power and their power is infinite. And, and we know the angels are very holy and very good and very powerful. And yet they cover their faces, daring not to cast their eyes on the fullness of the glory of God. And then they say those words, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Why do they say those words? And why do they repeat them three times? Why don't they just say, holy is the Lord? Why do they have to say, holy, holy, holy? Well, in scripture, in the Old Testament, when something's repeated three times, that's like the perfection. That's the, the superlative. So Hebrew didn't have a way of saying like good, better, and best. If you wanted to say something was the best, you said it was good, good, good. You repeated the word good three times. And that's why the angels don't just say God is holy. They say he's holy, holy, holy. He's the all holy one, perfect in holiness. 
So this is how the, the great seraphim approach God. Uh, St. John, the, the beloved disciple in the New Testament, had a similar experience. In the book of Revelation, he has an apocalyptic vision. He's caught up to the heavenly throne room, and he sees the angels doing the same thing, bowing down before God and never ceasing to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So we're seeing in both cases the words, holy, holy, holy. We're seeing profound reverence. We see some angels bowing down before God. We see the seraphim covering their faces. Profound reverence when they approach God in worship. Here's the practical point I want to make for us. How do you approach God in prayer, in worship? How do you approach God in the Mass? When you enter a church, a Catholic church, that has that gold box we call the tabernacle with the red candle signaling God's holy presence here. This is not any ordinary building. This is not any ordinary gathering space. No, 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 no. When we are stepping into the sanctuary, into the Catholic churches, we are encountering the holy presence of God. Jesus, his very body, blood, soul, and divinity is present in those sacred hosts that we keep in those tabernacles. Do you walk into your churches with great reverence? When you're in the Mass, do you approach the Mass with profound awe and wonder? If the angels in heaven, if the seraphim cover their faces and the other angels bow down before God, and these are perfect, holy beings, the angels, if the angels approach God with that reverence, how much more so sinners like you and me should approach God with great humility, awe, and wonder. Let us never approach the Mass too casually, taking it too loosely. We don't want to be rigid and uptight about this, but we want to be careful, careful and devoted in our words and in our actions. Because the way we say the prayers, the way we perform the various gestures and rituals, we make the sign of the cross, we kneel, we stand, we trace the cross on our head, foreheads on our lips and on our hearts. These little gestures, these little words are profound ways we can express our ardent love and praise of Jesus. I want to tell you a story. I remember I grew up in a, a wonderful Catholic school outside of Chicago and um it really, I look back, it was an incredible gift on so many levels, but especially my appreciation for the Mass and the liturgy. And I, I don't remember any lectures that my teachers taught me about the Mass, but I, I remember more the experiences with the Mass, with the Eucharist and our devotions. So at our Catholic school, we went to Mass, I think we went every day. If it wasn't every day, it was at least like three or four times a week. We were, we were going to Mass. I think it was almost every day. And what we would do is we would leave our classroom and the teacher would lead us down the hallway. And there was the girls line on the left and the boys line on the right. And we're following the teacher and we go into the church and we go to our pews. And we, we always sat in the same section of the church for, for mass each day. But before we went into our pews, we were there in the aisle, the teacher would stop and we would join the teacher and we would all fall on our knees and genuflect. But it wasn't a quick little genuflection. It wasn't a rushed genuflection. No, no, it was a reverent genuflection. And we were on our knees not for half a second, not for one second, but for probably five to 10 seconds. Because as we we fell to our knees, we did two things. 
we said a prayer and we made the sign of the cross. It was a prayer we all recited together. We prayed, my Jesus, I adore you here in the presence of the blessed sacrament. What a beautiful prayer. And they taught us to make a good genuflection, to not just like do a quick one, not a rushed one, not a sloppy one, but to make a really good genuflection where we're really reverencing our King who is in our midst in the tabernacle. So we're reverencing Jesus in our knees, falling on our knees, and we're reverencing him with our words, my Jesus, I adore you here in the presence of the blessed sacrament. And it wasn't just our class. Then the next class, the other homeroom did it. And then the other homeroom did it. Then the seventh graders did it. Then the eighth graders did it. So for about five, 10 minutes before mass, you kept hearing all around the church, all these different groups of children saying, my Jesus, I adore you here in the presence of the blessed sacrament. And then they would trace, as they said those words, as they were kneeling down, they traced the sign of the cross over their bodies. And our teachers taught us not to just do a, a quick sign of the cross, not a casual sign of the cross, not a sloppy sign of the cross, but a reverent one, an intentional one, a careful one. And we got a sense that this was a way of expressing our love for Jesus was through trying to to do these words with love, to do these gestures with love, to not be too casual. Those angels were not casual coming up to God, giving him a high five. Hey God, how's it going? They weren't pulling out their phones. They weren't kind of just, you know, sitting around a fire and, you know, having some s'mores and chit-chatting with Jesus. That's not what was happening in the liturgy in heaven. They covered their faces. They bowed down. And they said, holy, holy, holy. And as little children, I remember we, ha- we grew up at this wonderful Catholic parish, this wonderful Catholic school, with a great sense of reverence. At least I did. I know I, I just, I, again, I don't remember anyone teaching transubstantiation and the real presence, but, but I knew God was there. And I want to be clear, people weren't strict and rigid about it. It wasn't that. It was just like, hey, this, you know, it was encouragement to love God and to adore him and to worship him. This is what the prayer, holy, 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 is reminding us of. This is what it's pointing us to. It's inviting us to love God, to adore him, to approach him with great humble reverence. Again, I just want to highlight this. If the angels, the perfect, sinless angels, the holy, powerful angels in heaven approach God with this humble reverence, how much more so sinners like you and like me should approach God that way. Let's bring this into our our devotion to the Eucharist. When we walk into an adoration chapel, when we walk through our churches, when we go to mass, and not just for ourselves, do do we train our children in this to approach God with great reverence? You know, this is just just one little part of this prayer, the Sanctus. Isn't it amazing? Uh, let me close with one more. Can I, can I go one more prayer with you all? There's another part of the Sanctus. We didn't even get to this yet. But the second half of the Sanctus, we say, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Well, what is this prayer? Where does this prayer come from? Well, you know, it comes from the Bible, right? All the prayers from Scripture come from the Bible. You see, everything I'm sharing with you here, about the holy, holy, holy prayer. Everything I'm sharing with you comes from a book I wrote. It's called A Biblical Walk Through the Mass. And in this book, I go through all of the prayers of the Mass, all of the rituals and the gestures of the liturgy. And I show that these aren't just random actions. These aren't just random prayers and words to recite. No, no. 
they all have roots in scripture. They come from the Holy Word of God. And the more we understand the biblical background of what we're saying and doing in the liturgy, the more we can encounter God in our lives at every Mass. Do you long to to give Jesus more of your heart at every Mass? Do you long to receive his love, receive his grace and his power more into your life at every Mass? Then you, what you want to do is not just focus on when you receive Holy Communion, but you want to prepare your heart through all the prayers of the liturgy for that supreme moment of Holy Communion. You need to know what is the sign of the cross. The Lord be with you. The Lord have mercy prayer. The Gloria. All of these prayers, every part of the Mass comes from Scripture. But most of us Catholics don't realize this. That's why I wrote this book called The Biblical Walk Through the Mass. It's a it's like a Bible study and all the prayers and rituals of the liturgy. Uh, you can check it out. It's Ascension Press. We'll put in the show notes here. But, but in addition to the book, uh, if you're in a small group, maybe, maybe you could use it as a Bible study. We did a video-based Bible study of me filming in a beautiful cathedral, and I'm explaining all the different parts of the Mass. Like, th- this is just one tiny part of the Mass. We're only getting one prayer. You see this over and over and over again, all throughout the sacred liturgy. We as Catholics need to know the mass better. So let's learn the biblical background to the liturgy so that we can counter God more. Now, one of the things I write about in my book, Biblical Walk of the Mass, in addition to the Holy Holy, is this second part of the prayer, Hosanna in the highest. What does Hosanna mean? It's the Hebrew word for God saves. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is who comes in the name of the Lord. Did you know this comes from Psalm 118? Psalm 118 verses 25 through 26. But you can look up the whole Psalm on your own. What I want you to know is that this, this part of the Holy Holy Prayer is taken from not just any Psalm, but a pilgrimage Psalm. You know, there, there are a number of Psalms that the Jews would recite when they went on pilgrimage to Jerusalem for the great feast days. And this is one of them. They would recite this, for example, when they came up for Passover. But there was one most famous time when these words were recited from Psalm 118, one famous procession that took place when a large crowd of people were coming into Jerusalem around the time of Passover. Do you remember when that was? It was on the day we know is Palm Sunday the day when Jesus rode in on the donkey. I just did a podcast on that right before Holy Week. But what I want to talk about here is how the Jews in Jerusalem welcomed Jesus with those words, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're reverencing Jesus as their king. They're welcoming him as the Lord coming to Jerusalem to reign, to establish his kingdom. They're welcoming him in as their king into their holy city. Why do we repeat those words at this point in the mass? It's because we're doing the same thing. We're doing the same thing they were 2000 years ago. We are welcoming our King into our midst because that same King, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come down upon our altars at the words of consecration. When the bread and wine are changed into the body and blood of Jesus Christ, our King is is coming in our midst. It's like we're we're beginning our own procession to welcome our King. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We're entering into their reverence for the King. Remember, they wave the palm branches. They put out their garments before him, giving him the royal carpet. They're welcoming their King. How fitting it is that we at every mass do the same thing. We welcome him not just in our midst, not just on our altars, but most especially We welcome him into our souls as we're about to receive him in Holy Communion. What a beautiful way to prepare our hearts 
to welcome our King at every Mass. My friends, there's so much to the liturgy. You know, let's take this away. Let's let's leave here inspired by those angels and, and may it encourage us to be more careful in how we do our, our prayers in the liturgy and the gestures of the liturgy. May we approach every tabernacle, every church that has the blessed sacrament. May we always approach Jesus with humble reverence. May we make a good sign of the cross, not a sloppy one, but a careful one. It's a, it's a gesture of love. May we, may we do every genuflection, not quickly, not rushed, but as a gesture of love. When you love someone, you take time, you take attention, you're intentional about how you go about expressing that love. Let's do the same with our Lord Jesus. Amen. If you want to learn more about the Holy, Holy, Holy Prayer or any of the prayers of the liturgy, you want to prepare your heart to encounter God in every Mass, check out my book called A Biblical Walk Through the Mass. Or you could check out the video study I did. Uh, if you're in a men's group, a woman's group, or some other kind of faith formation group, you can check that faith formation study I did. It's a six-part Bible study that you can get at ascensionpress.com. You can order the DVDs, you could stream it online, and you could watch the teaching in a beautiful cathedral walking through every part of the Mass. Thanks so much for listening, my friends, and may God bless you.